Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm Amanda Farmer, Strata lawyer and podcast host. And it's my job here each week to help demystify the legal complexities of apartment living. Two weeks ago, back in episode number 309, I kicked off our Strata Powerhouse series. That episode was the first of what I promised would be three interviews with some pretty special people in our Strata sector. The first of such people was Bill Coles, sharing his philosophy of evolve or dissolve You'll hear our chat back in episode number 309. Last week, episode number 310, we heard from Olivera Ferguson about how she has applied the principles learned from her life in the corporate world to that of strata management. And this week, my third and final strata powerhouse interview is with John Coleman. After graduating as captain of Sydney Technical High School in 1965, John won scholarships to the University of Sydney to study arts with majors in Latin and modern history. He gained a diploma in education from the same university and began teaching history and English in state high schools from 1970, continuing to teach until December 1987. What does any of that have to do with strata, you may ask? Well, in January 1988, John left the teaching profession and began work for a small glazing company called Express Glass. Over the next 33 years, Express Glass, with John's involvement and direction, has become the biggest glazing company in Australia, employing more than 200 people nationwide and in addition using a network of more than 250 contracted companies. As you'll hear in this chat, John began with Express Glass in sales and marketing, and by 1997, he was the CEO of the company, a role in which he continued until 2006. John is a fascinating man with a wide range of interests, including sports, the arts, reading, travel, volunteer community work, and writing books on history, particularly of the local Sydney area. John has written and published five books on various history topics, the two most recent books being on World War I, and last year he released From the Ground Up, a history of Strata Community Association New South Wales and the Strata industry. Settle in, this is a wonderful ride through some of the incredibly colourful history of Strata title in this country, told by a very accomplished, gracious individual. I'll take you over right now to my chat with John Coleman. John Coleman, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. John, you have been involved in our strata sector for many years and experienced many different iterations of strata. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's start with the beginning. It's a very good place to start. How did you come to be involved in strata? I uh, started in the strata industry when I started with Express Glass. I started there in 1988. I'd been a teacher for 20 years and I knew the family who ran Express Glass. In fact, I taught their son, who is now my boss, who I mentored into the role at Express Glass. So they made me an offer and I went for a year and stayed um, in 1988. I didn't think I would stay. 
but we were only a small company. We only had about 10 or 12 employees and my role was to build the business and we just bought a smaller company which had strata clients and I didn't know much about strata but I got to know these people. Clisdells were our very earliest clients and uh, people from Michael Roberts and I soon came to know that they were really lovely people and some of them are still there but they were very loyal they were service driven they weren't price driven all they wanted was good service and to build a relationship and that suited us down to the ground and they were so easy to deal with i thought there's other strata clients out there we've got to get into this sector and so we did and within 12 months uh, we had brighton duggan and uh, Barras MacArthur and Bryant Strata and New South Wales Strata and a whole host of the bigger and mid-range uh, clients. So that's how I came to get involved in Strata and it's been a very rewarding relationship with those people. I haven't always dealt just with them. We do work for lots of the banks and the fast food chains and the big retailers and that sort of thing. But Strata's always been a particular favourite of mine because of the people and the relationships that I was able to build. And am I right that your role back then with Express Glass was in sales and marketing? Yes. When I first came to the business, I said to my boss, who was I've known before, I said, I can't hammer a nail in straight, let alone know anything about glass. He said, I've got plenty of people who can do that. I just want you to put on a suit and go and call on people and expand the business, uh, business development and marketing and uh, I wasn't sure that I could do that, but I thought I'd give it a go for a year and I'm still here. Even though I did love teaching immensely, I didn't go back to it. But, uh, yes, I, I was in sales and marketing and then about 10 years after that, I was actually the CEO of Express Glass for about 10 years and then I mentored the young man who was the son of the guy I went to work for originally, who, yeah. whom I taught at school to be the CEO and he's still the CEO and I must say Adrian Grocott, uh, the CEO now, um, young man, he does a much better job than his father did and he does a much, much better job than I ever did. So that's been a great uh, journey to see him uh, sort of come on board and do that. Tell me about this change from teaching. You were a head teacher at a high school, as I understand it, and this shift into this role of putting on that suit and tie, getting out there, pounding the pavement, getting new clients. Uh, seems to me like two very different worlds. Am I wrong? Yeah, it was a very pronounced change. Um, I majored in Latin and history, and uh, I don't think there's anybody else in the world in the glass industry who's got a degree in Latin, <laughs> ancient and modern history. And as I say, I had no practical skills whatsoever, but the people who ran the business obviously thought that I could go out there and talk to people. Plenty of people said to me, teachers can't do anything else. Well, mm. that was always a bit of a red rag to me and uh, I was a bit like, watch this space. And it's probably one of the reasons I didn't go back to teaching. Is I didn't want to admit that I couldn't hack it and I think teaching was changing at the time anyway, so it was a confluence of things. But... I'm reasonably competitive and if people say teachers can't do anything, you know, I just wanted to prove them wrong. And obviously teachers have tremendous skills that are translatable into the corporate world. You know, they were amazed that I could do a roster for 100 people 
I mean, I said I timetabled a whole school with 1,000 kids and 100 staff and business communication and that sort of stuff. And being able to sort of critically analyse a problem and, and look at it with fresh eyes. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't such a, a stretch. There are skills that you can take over and I've been fortunate enough to be able to employ other teachers as well and sort of um, keep that going. So, yeah, it was a bit of a stretch and a lot of people didn't think that I'd stay. Um, the betting was that I'd be back in teaching in a year, but no, I, I enjoyed what I was doing and I've continued to have different experiences as I've gone on and mentor lots of uh, other people as well. So, yeah, it's been a, a great journey. And you set about to build the Strata client base of Express Glass. You said there earlier that these were great clients, they were easy, they were good to work with. What was it about the Strata sector back then that made this an enjoyable addition to the Express Glass client base? One of the good things about visiting strata managers in those days, you almost had unfettered access to them. You can almost walk into their office without an appointment, just call at the reception and say, I'm here to see X, Y and Z. In you'd go. You'd spend 20 minutes with each of them. You'd spend two hours at a place like Clisdell's in the early days. You just walk straight into the office. Hi, John. In you'd go. You'd sit down and talk to each of them for 20 minutes and two hours had gone. And that, you know, you'd talk about any problems that they had and uh, sort those out. But generally it was just catch up and uh, build the relationship and it was just so easy. And it wasn't just like that. I mean, the banks were the same virtually. If you made an appointment, you could see a guy within a few days. Uh, That access was a lot easier in those days. Um, And so you got to build relationships and there weren't the sort of constraints about receiving a gift at Christmas time or going to lunch or taking them to the opera or the football or whatever. So we had a really high-powered, for those days, program of entertainment for clients. So we had a box at the football stadium. We'd have a box at the tennis. We'd go to the opera house. And, uh, you know, my life um, was just a varied events management. Uh, <laughs> in fact, my friends and people at Express Glass called me Sir lunch a lot or the Minister for Good Times. Um, (laughs) which was my role um, for a long time. But that helped you build relationships. And you can do that to a certain extent these days, but it's not as easy. In fact, in the 90s, I started networking nights for ISTM and golf days for the company and then for ISTM as well. And those things sort of continue right through to the present day. So uh, they were interesting times. Um, But there were the whole range of smaller companies in those days. There was, there was only one big player, which was Alliance Strata, and they were owned by a husband and wife, um, John and uh, his wife, um, Janet Scott, and lots of the people who now run or have started their own Strata companies worked for Alliance. The, the numbers of people who worked there were, were huge, but they were the only big player in Australia. All the others were sort of mid-range family companies or one-man bands. In fact, in the 90s, there were still 35% of unit blocks were self-managed. Um, they didn't have a, a manager at all. So um, it was a vastly different um, industry and uh, very family-oriented, very family-based. And so 
you can build relationships quite easily with those people. You mentioned there, John, the ISTM. There may be some of our listeners who don't know what that acronym is. If you could share with us what the ISTM was, what it became, and then we might uh, have a chat about the book that you launched last year. The ISTM was the Institute of Strata Title Management and it began life in 1980. The strata industry or strata legislation had been passed in 1961 but the professional body of strata managers started in 1980 and it became Strata Community Association in brackets, New South Wales, in around 2010, 2011. So it's essentially the same organisation. In fact, uh, SCA has the same structure that was set up at the turn of the century, around 2000. Of the chapters of licensed manager, associates and um, service providers that was set up ISTM in about 2000, 2001. And so essentially it's the same organisation, but now it's part of a, a national body, whereas ISTM was very jealous of its preeminent position in Australia. Uh, New South Wales always thought they had more members, they had a better legislation and they'd have to pay more money to the national body. So for until about 2000, they re- really weren't interested in being part of a national body. So that's been one major change. But essentially, ISTM and SCA are the one organisation that just progressed along the way. Mm. And with your love of history and some more time on your hands in recent years, John, you have had a, a close look at the development of the strata sector in Australia and uh, that resulted in a book that was published last year. Can you share a bit about the book and uh, where the idea came from for the book? Yeah, the book um, is called From the Ground Up and it's, as I mentioned earlier, it uh, it started um, from a lunch, surprisingly. People who know me, they'd be unsurprised about that. Act. I was having lunch with Phil Duggan and uh, Robert Anderson and Francesco Andrioni at um, a lovely restaurant in uh, Bambini Trust in the city and as we did every three months, And I made the throwaway line at about 2017, has anybody ever thought about writing the history of this organisation? And Phil Duggan said, you should be talking to Chris, my son, who's the president of SCA. You should be talking to him because he's been talking about getting someone to do it. I said, well, if somebody's going to do it, I want to do it myself. So um, I spoke to Chris that day and the board came on board and they said, yes, they'd love me to do it. I had to go and tell them about what I've done before and books I've written before. But after that, I had their full support and I went away for two and a half years and interviewed about 80 to 100 of the people who'd been involved in Strata, particularly in the early days. And uh, I thought it would be dry, dry as dishwater. Um, but it turned out that particularly some of the earlier people had fantastic backstories, you know, really great backstories. So the book traces the history of the legislation, how it started in 1961 and who were the people who were the main players in that. The two main players were a guy called John Barlman who wrote the legislation. He'd been an Anzac Gallipoli veteran uh, back in 1915 and uh, then he fought in France and decided that was all too hard and he joined the Royal Flying Corps and flew against the Red Baron and uh, Hermann Goering and all those people and... uh, 
came back to Sydney, became a lawyer, became the Registrar-General, and in 1958 started to write legislation for Strata in his spare time as a hobby um, <laughs> because there was a need for it. And the other guy who drove it was Dick Dusseldorp from Lend-Lease, who started Lend-Lease, who had a marvellous story being captured by the Germans in World War II and taken to a work camp and escaping and coming to Australia. And he drove the legislation. So it was about the beginning of the legislation and then it was also about the history of ISTM or SCA and looking at all the people who were involved there and some of those stories were terrific too. So if you know something about the industry or you're interested in it, it's quite a good book because you know the people who are involved or some of the stories are great. If you're not interested in strata, it's probably a cure for insomnia. But um, That's all right. If you're not interested in strata, you're probably not listening to this podcast. So I think we have just the right right audience here, John. Yeah, so the book um, took two and a half years. It was supposed to be launched in 2020 for the 40th anniversary of uh, ISTM's foundation, but COVID put a stop to that until November 2021. But it was a great night uh, during the conference last year when it was launched, and I think five or 600 have been distributed already. That's great. If our listeners want to get their hands on a copy, can they purchase it somewhere? Can we give them a link? Or Yes, they can just go to SCA New South Wales, uh, and they've got copies uh, I think Scott Martin's been selling some of them um, and I've got some copies as well if they if they know me and they want a copy and haven't got one. Great. I'll make sure I put some direction in our show notes under this episode so listeners know where to go to find out more. I would definitely like to get my hands on a copy and do a deep dive there into the history of Strata. I know, John, that you continued to be involved with Express Glass until I think about 2006. And I imagine you saw a lot of change in our Strata sector in that time. You've mentioned already that the ease of access to Strata managers, the family businesses that have now changed a little bit in our Strata landscape with some larger conglomerates growing up. How else have you seen change? And do you think it's been for the better? It's been for the worse? I think mainly it's been for for the better. Um, I think um, computerisation and digital technologies just revolutionised strata and made it far easier for strata managers to do the day-to-day hack work that used to take up so much of their time and now sort of concentrate on bigger issues. Um, And there are lots of bigger issues these days. And so digitisation of minutes and agendas and that sort of thing. And in COVID times, I've just revolutionised it with Zoom meetings. Um, I spoke to a girl yesterday um, from Brighton Duggan who said people are running portfolios in one state and living in another state because they don't really have to ever appear all that often. And people are quite happy about doing that. So I think that's been a real positive. And things like Macquarie Bank's payment scheme, death payment scheme has just revolutionised the way people pay strata fees and that sort of thing. And I think on a broader level, I I think strata managers are better educated. I'd like to see them even better educated. Um, Mm. But the level of education is certainly much greater and I think that's a great thing. And the fact that SCA New South Wales is now part of a national body I think is a great thing and I think in this state they have become the preeminent go-to group for all things strata, which wasn't always the case. We used to have to sort of 
compete with the REI and other groups, but now through some of the really terrific presidents we've had, uh, I think every president we've ever had in the organisation, 14 of them, have um, added value to the organisation. But we're now seen as the, the preeminent group for strata issues, and I think that's a great thing. And the fact that we've joined into a national body where we had this really parochial view 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I think it's a great thing too, and I, I think they're real improvements. Um, uh, there's still a way to go. Um, I um, touched on the fact that it would be great to have a degree course for mm. strata managers to put them on a similar level to other professional associations. And I can't see any reason why departments of land economics can't have a strata uh, in brackets, Bachelor of Land Economics and Master of Land Economics in brackets, strata management. There's enough material there to provide a really rigorous syllabus for that sort of course, and I think it would be a great thing. I feel like we've been talking about that for many years, John, a degree course. And I know from the perspective of, of lawyers, we would love to see strata managers have that higher level of education, be able to demand the authority that we see as lawyers, we demand as simply because of that perception that we have that higher level of education. What is it that's been standing in the way, do you think, of those qualified people out there to teach these courses, I imagine? Is it universities or institutions not able? Able to produce it? I can't say that there's a lack of people that, to teach it. Um, I just don't think there's been the will, um, either from the university's point of view or from the strata management side of things. But I think as the SCA develops the clout and the um, significance with uh, governments and, and universities and other bodies, I can see that in the next five years that it could very well happen. Um, I'm more confident about it now than before. There's no lack of people to teach it. There's no lack of material that could make a really rigorous course. And uh, given the fact that universities are struggling a bit, you would think that this is a terrific well to tap into. These are people here who are willing to pay. They're in Australia and this is a course and there's thousands of them. Um, mm. And uh, given the fact that unis are struggling to attract people from overseas again, this just seems like a no-brainer to me. So I'm quite confident that it will happen um, and uh, I think it will be a real bonus for the industry. Yeah, I think it will be a game changer. I know our strata managers are just so busy and I was listening to you earlier talk about just walking into a strata manager's office and being able to sit down and have a chat and I'm sure I'm not the only one listening to that going, that would just would not happen today. Strata managers are hard-pressed to return the phone calls and the emails that they get from their clients, let alone chatting to what we'd call a supplier wanting to solve a problem for you. And I imagine if this additional education was there and available, that that would be the next challenge to get strata managers to acknowledge, to understand how valuable it would be to spend the time to do that kind of a course and the dividends that it would pay down the track in terms of, as I said, your authority, your ability to command higher fees, respect and understanding for the work that you do, the things that professionals enjoy, lawyers, accountants, engineers. Accountants, engineers, that's exactly right, lawyers. And it would be important too to have principles of companies driving it as well and encouraging their staff and making it easier for their staff to do that on the understanding that it's going to benefit their company. And, you know, I mean, lots of companies 
outside strata encourage their workers and employees to do courses and help them with the finance for it and help them with time off and that sort of thing. I can't see that strata is any different and the, the principles of strata companies should be pushing this along too by giving some practical help and encouragement to their employees to do that because it only helps uh, everyone in the long term. Yes. Aside from that wish, hope, prediction for a higher level of education, John, anything else that you see in the future of strata or would like to see the strata sector uh, grow into? Yeah, I'd, um, I'd certainly like to see a national set of strata legislation um, rather than the piecemeal approach we've got now. We have standard driving laws, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. It can't be that difficult, that's the layman, but you know, that's the next thing, I think, because it just helps with portability of skills. You know, if you want to go to Western Australia and you're from New South Wales, it's difficult. Uh, or Queensland and Victoria, if you had a standard set of strata legislation, it would be far easier. And I think the fact that we've now got a national strata body makes that more achievable. So I think that's something I'd, I'd look to and I'd be looking to make the national strata body as strong as possible. The other fervent wish I have is New South Wales is I'm looking for the next woman president of SCA New South Wales. We've had one out of 14 in 42 years and uh, that I think really needs to be changed. Uh, there are so many dynamic capable women uh, who could do the job and mm. I think it'd be great. Um, so that's something I really feel passionate about. Yes. Any ideas on how SCA might be able to work towards that goal? I think they're already working towards it and uh, I think um, it really going to come down to sort of tapping some women on the shoulder mm-hmm. saying, yeah, you can do this and we'd, we'd like you to do it. There are already capable women on the board. One of the things about being president, I think, is it's rather difficult to be the president of SCA if you're from a small company. The demands on your time are just unbelievably huge uh, and getting bigger all the time. So that's a bit bit sad. Um, And I think we need to look at how we can make it easier for people from smaller companies to come on board uh, as president and even on the board. The the demands on board members are are, are huge. The other thing you could do is is quite revolutionary, I think, for SCA is that you can open the presidency up to people other than strata managers. There are certainly um, lots of women who aren't strata managers who would be capable of, from large companies, um, you know, there are quite a number of large service providers who could support a woman who was in that role. So maybe a rule change um, might accelerate the process as well, but it's certainly something I, I see as a, almost a must for us. We've had one woman president in 14, and I'm not denigrating any of the men. As I say, every single president has worked really hard and added value to the, uh, the organisation and the industry, but I think it's time. Mm, Well, I'm glad to hear you 
call that out, John. And listening to you talk about the history of strata in this country, and no doubt when we go and have a look at the book, I hear a lot of male names. I see a, a lot of men at these reunions and gatherings and celebrations of uh, 40 years of history, and that indeed is, is how it was then. And I think one of the changes that we have seen for the better is to see more women entering the space and what we're seeing now, at least in the last 10 years is to see women moving up the ranks into those high level positions. But I agree with you, we do seem to have hit that glass ceiling when it comes to the SCA presidency, to name one area. And I think we all need to be thinking hard about how we address that. And I think it may be something revolutionary. Uh, Taps on the shoulder, definitely. Maybe quotas, maybe some mandated representation for women at that level is what we need. And I I should sort of add that There have been really strong women. Um, Muriel Barrasso was our first and only president, but there have been women like Maria Linders, who has been the vice president of the organisation and built a huge company from scratch virtually. Um, And Judith Ferguson did the same. Margaret O'Connor, just to name a few. Uh, Mm. But... Those, those, certainly those women who've gone before have uh, played a huge part in, in the industry um, and uh, would have been nice perhaps to see one of those women as president of the organisation if they'd wanted to be. Um, mm. But certainly there have been some strong women who've been involved in board decisions and that sort of thing. Well, let's certainly hope that in uh, 30 or 40 years' time, someone, if it's not us, having a conversation about the history, the recent 40-year history of Strata is not saying the same thing, that there's been great women in the sector, but we haven't yet had a president. So, no, 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 You certainly won't be speaking to me in 40 <laughs> years' time. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, share with us, what, what are you up to these days? What's on the agenda for you at the moment? Uh, are you still involved in Strata? I'm still involved with Express Glass. Uh, still do two days a week and uh, leveraging off the book. Adrian Graycott and Mark Jennings, who run Express Glass, have asked me to continue to do some stuff with them, uh, writing uh, monthly articles about interesting people in Strata, either past or present. Um, and uh, that's been good. I've written about four or five of those, and some have been on people in the past, and uh, some have been. Uh, on people who are coming along in the, in the future. I interviewed yesterday Rena Kumar from Brighton Duggan, who was the Strata Manager of the Year last year. I think she's only 25 or 26, and she was nominated twice as the rising star and, and then third year nominated as the Strata Manager of the Year and won the award. So, you know, some dynamic younger people in the industry and certainly people I'm writing an article about Max Dunn, who was the third president and fought in the Battle of Britain and was captured by the Germans and put into a prison camp after he bailed out of his aircraft over France and was in the POW camp for four or five years and came back and had a full career before retiring and going into strata uh, because he didn't like retirement and then became president. And uh, the Max Dunn Award is named after him. And he's just got a wonderful story. So, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a few of these stories. Um, and I'll make sure we can get the web link for you. Are you publishing them on the Express Glass website or somewhere that we can have a read? Yes, on the Express Glass website and also on uh, LinkedIn. But I've written other books. Um, just written a book on World War One that was published and uh, written other books as well on history. So 
that's my my passion. But my wife and I are great travellers, and hopefully we're getting back into it this year overseas. So fingers crossed. Uh, and uh, yeah, so. I work a couple of days for Express and I've got more than enough to fill in the other five days of, of the week. So life's pretty good at the moment. Sounds like it. And we have been very lucky to have you, John, as part of our Strata space and continuing to be in that space, recording that important history. Look, if you don't do it, who will, I suppose, is the mantra. Yeah, well, that was the aim. I realised that the people who started the industry were not getting any younger and if we didn't sort of strike while the iron was hot, we would miss the opportunity of getting their oral memories. And uh, and that's proved to be the case, sadly. Um, the three or four people that I interviewed um, are no longer with us, very sadly. And uh, But luckily, we've been able to record their stories. And uh, I think yeah, it was timely. And I'm pleased that I did it. And uh, yeah, it was great doing it, actually. I enjoyed it. Well, it's been lovely speaking with you today, John Coleman. Thank you for joining us on the show and I'll hope to catch up with you in person sometime soon. Pleasure, Amanda. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?